Hi there, how are you? Uh, so today is the th third part in our sermon series on God's, God's name. Uh, so Pastor Alan, he set up this whole sermon series by talking about context and then I had the opportunity uh, to kind of pick apart uh, the, the, the title of God. And today is going to be focusing on the aspect of God's heart as being compassionate. And so it's going to be awesome. And following the sermon, there's going to be a conversation talking about all these things. So hang around. Hey, Christ community, so glad that uh, I get to be a part of your spiritual journey today. We're in the midst of a very important teaching series in which we're exploring this question, what is God really like? I mean, we can know all sorts of information about God, that he's all powerful, that he's eternal and creator. All that's true, but those things don't really tell us who he is at a personal level. What is he really like? So then we can end up with this kind of distant informational relationship with God, but not really knowing God personally, intimately. Now, here's the amazing thing that we discover throughout the pages of scripture. God actually wants to be known by us. You know, unlike most all celebrities who wouldn't give us, any of us, the time of day, God wants us to know him personally. He wants us to know what he's really like, and we desperately need to know what he's really like. I mean, so often we carry in our minds and our hearts these inaccurate perceptions about what God is like, and those things can have a profound impact in our lives. I recently heard about a, a person who walked up to a pastor and said, I don't believe in God. And rather than freaking out about that comment or trying to convince the person otherwise, this pastor responded by saying, well, just tell me, why don't you tell me about this God that you don't believe in? So the person kind of described this God that, and why they'd chosen to reject God. And afterwards, the pastor said, well, I don't believe in that God either. I mean, how many people have chosen to reject God or to distance themselves from God because of a perception of God that isn't actually accurate? This is even true with sincere believers in Jesus. If we perceive God to be this critical, negative, distant, angry, emotionless kind of being somewhere up there, that's going to have a huge impact on our emotional lives, on our spiritual lives, on our experience of prayer, our experience of joy and hope and peace. Our perception of God impacts all of us in some very significant ways. So how can we know what God is really like? Well, we discover the answer to that question in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. So in the previous chapter, Exodus 33, Moses had earnestly asked God to show him his glory. So God answers that request by revealing who he really is to Moses. He reveals who he really is. And so in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, God proclaims to Moses what he's really like. Now, this passage is so significant. It is one of the most often quoted passages throughout the Bible. It's like ground zero for discovering what God is really like. So because it's such an important passage, we're taking these weeks leading up to Easter to unpack this amazing and very significant passage so that we can know God better, so that we can get rid of any misperceptions that we have about him. All right, so let's look beginning in verse 5 
Exodus 34, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. Now, let me stop there and just remind us of something that KJ explained last week. What God did there, right in that passage, what he just did is, is, is very significant. He gave us his personal name. Most translations translate this Lord, call all capitals, L-O-R-D. But that's not really accurate because Lord is a title. The word God uses here is the Hebrew word, four consonants, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, which means I am. He is everything we need and more. Yahweh, that's his personal name. If you're more interested, interested in exploring that further, check out KJ's message last week. Okay, well, after giving us his personal name, God then begins to describe his character, what he's really like. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. Notice, what's the first word God uses to describe himself after giving us his name? Compassionate. This is so fascinating to me. When you're introducing yourself to someone, you instinctively lead with the thing that is most important in your mind, right? If I'm introducing myself to a group of people, I'm not going to start with start my bio with my love for chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Even though that is true about me, it's not what I would lead with. I'd lead with the fact that I've been married to Raylene for 32 years. We have four amazing children. Th- those things are, those are, truths are very near and dear to my heart. See, in light of that, it is so fascinating to me that the first word God uses to describe himself is not that he is all-powerful. It's not that he is eternal. It's not that he is creator. He's holy. He's omnipotent. Not, none of that. No, no. The first word he uses to describe himself to us is compassionate. He uses a very, this is a very tender, emotional word to describe what he's like. This, the Hebrew word used here the, is the word rahum. And, and it, what's so significant about this word is that the root of this word is, is, is the word womb, a mother's womb. I mean, think about that. One of the most powerful emotional human connections is the connection between mother and child. That The mother literally carries this child within herself for nine months. And the emotional relational bond between the two is profound. Her heart, her disposition is towards her child. I mean, does her heart change if her child has a poopy diaper or, or spills milk everywhere or spits up food or cries or screams? No, no, no. Her heart is filled with compassion for her child no matter what. And to think this is how God describes himself. This is what he wants us to know about him, that he is compassionate. His heart feels compassion toward us. This is what he's really like. So what does this mean exactly, this idea of compassion? Well, I, wanna, I want us to unpack this, this idea of compassion with three statements that, that communicate to us God's compassion, three things that God's compassion says to each one of us. And as we look at each of these, I want you to think about your own perception of God. Is this how you perceive his heart is towards you? All right, the, the first, first, God's compassion says to each one of us, I see you. 
I see you. God is a God who sees. To be seen, to be noticed is a huge longing in our hearts. I mean, just being real here, but I have this passionate conviction that Greeley is so much better than Fort Collins. And there are a number of reasons I could give for this, but one of them happened a few weeks ago. So I was sitting at a stoplight in Fort Collins, getting ready to turn left on the Harmony Road. And as I, I was probably the, like the fifth car in that left turn line, right? Arrow turns green, we start moving. Um, but, but before I get to the intersection, the arrow turns yellow and then red. I had to stop. It was obviously on a timer that had absolutely no concern regarding how many cars need, you know, wanted or needed to turn or what time of day it was in terms of traffic patterns and all that. No, you had three seconds. That was it. And my first thought was that would not have happened in Greeley. Almost every major stoplight in Greeley has a camera and it sees how many cars are needing to turn and it extends the green as long as cars are turning, you know, within reason. I mean, the reality is I feel seen in Greeley. I feel like my car matters. It is not simply at the mercy of a predetermined timer that some bureaucrat set years before. I mean, there is something so powerful about being seen and there is something very painful about not being seen, about being in a difficult, challenging situation and no one noticing. Thankfully, I've never had to stand outside on a sidewalk with a sign begging for money. But I wonder how it feels to stand there in the humiliation of publicly admitting a personal need and to have most of the people not even look at you or acknowledge your presence. That same thing can happen in a family where a struggling child is not really seen or in a school where a struggling student falls through the cracks. I mean, this desire in our hearts to be seen is a desire for dignity and value. It's at the heart of what it means that each one of us is created in God's image. Every person has worth and value, which is why this particular attribute of God is so important to know about him. I mean, this heartbeat is actually what prompted Moses and God to meet in the first place. So in Exodus chapter 3, way earlier in the book, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And when Moses goes to check it out, God says to him, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave, driver, slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. He says to Moses, I have seen the misery of my people enslaved in Egypt. He is a God who sees, he hears their cries, he knows about their suffering. When God reveals himself to us in Exodus 34, that he is compassionate, what this means is that he is a God who sees us. One of the most loving things we can give to another person is our attention, to see them. Our children crave this to be seen by us, not to have us always be looking at our phones. They want us to see them. A friend of mine recently said to me, I know, I know my parents love me, but they don't really see me. It's impossible to experience true loving connection when we don't feel seen. Well, God sees us. And not just us in general, as, it, as in God sees everyone. God wants us to know that he sees you personally. 
He sees you specifically and personally. He's not too busy. He's not looking at his phone. He's not too distracted to see what you and I are going through. He sees you in your struggle with depression or anxiety. He sees you in your battle against cancer. He sees your heartache over the choices a child is making. He sees you stressing over a decision about the future. He is a God who sees us, who sees you. Which leads to the second way God's compassion gets expressed towards us. I understand how you feel. It's not just that he sees us in our struggle. It's that he understands how we feel in that struggle. This gets back to the the, gets us back to that Hebrew word, the root word for compassion. It's the word womb. When a mother's heart hears her child crying, she knows what that child is feeling. It moves, so that moves something within her. That there is an understanding of what her child is experiencing in that moment. And her heart goes out to her child. This is at the heart of what we read earlier, a moment ago in Exodus 3, when God says he's seen the misery of his people, he says he's concerned about their suffering. That word translated concerned is the Hebrew word yada, which speaks of an intimate knowledge. See, it's not just that God sees our suffering. He is actually moved at the core of his being. He is moved by our suffering. He personally feels the weight of that pain, the weight of that concern. He enters into our situation at an emotional level in an empathetic, tender way. As I was working on this message, I I, I couldn't help but think about the Olympic women's figure skating final a couple couple of weeks ago where that 15-year-old Russian skater who had been under tremendous pressure and regarding you know, steroids or whatever, and all these expectations to win, all that. Um, she ended up having this horrible final performance, falling and all these things, going from first place to fourth place. And she was emotionally devastated. You could just tell she's crying, devastated as she leaves the ice. And so as millions of people are watching this very emotional moment where she is in tears, she's absolutely devastated, she skates over to her coach who repeatedly pestered her with this intense question that why, about why she didn't fight hard enough. Why didn't you fight hard enough? And as this was happening, the whole world was cringing, right, at, at, at how inappropriate and cold and traumatic that coach's response was to a teenage girl in that position. I mean, we instinctively recognize the value and need for compassion in people's struggles and failures. How powerful and important it is to have someone enter into and understand the weight of what we're feeling. We instinctively get this. The question is, do we see God in this way? Do we see him as a God who understands the feelings and the struggles we have? You know, for a long time in my own life, I had a perception of God that was probably more in line with that Russian ice skating coach, a stern, emotionally distant God who was over the moon pleased if I did well, but who also expressed shame and disappointment whenever I failed 
whenever I didn't meet his expectations, who, who pestered me with questions like, why didn't you do better? What kind of a Christian are you anyway? Imagine the impact in our lives if that is how we perceive God to be. For me, it, it resulted in a, a Christianity that placed me on a never-ending treadmill of performance, feeling like I could never do enough to make God happy, that I was always a disappointment. It was exhausting and joyless. Somehow in all of my Christian journey, I had missed God's heart. I had I'd actually missed this reality he's communicating here, the reality of his compassion towards me, that he understands my struggles, that his heart goes out to me. I love how David articulates, David got this. I love how he articulates this in Psalm 103. Um, this is a very familiar psalm, and it's a psalm that almost word for word repeats Exodus 34, 6, and 7. As I said, this Exodus 34, 6, and 7 is, is repeated. It's quoted throughout Scripture. Here's another example. So in Psalm 103, it describes how God is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love. All these phrases from Exodus 34. So then in verse 13, David goes back to this compassion thing. He goes back and he describes it even further. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Do you see what the psalmist is saying here? God's compassion is rooted in the fact that he knows how frail we are. He knows our pain. He knows our story. He knows our weaknesses and our fears, which means that he doesn't simply see us through the lens of performance. You know, did, did we do what we were supposed to do? No, he sees us through the lens of our story how the wounds and pain from our past often influence our choices in the present. Now, look, this is not about excusing our, our, our bad choices, but it, it places them within the framework of compassion, of seeing us and understanding who we really are. Our weaknesses, our frailties, our, our vulnerabilities are not surprises to God. He gets it. He gets us. He understands. Which leads to the third way that God's heart of compassion gets expressed to us. And that's first, I see you. And then second, I understand what you feel. Third, I am here to help you. I'm here to help you. So often in scripture, God's compassion is directly tied to his willingness to act on our behalf. We see this so powerfully in, in, in Psalm 51, which is a Psalm David wrote after his huge moral failure in which he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then he murdered her husband. I mean, talk about an epic fail with tons of relational and spiritual carnage done all over the place. So in this place of utter failure, notice how David begins his prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Notice he is appealing to the Lord's compassion as he asks for forgiveness and cleansing. According to your compassion, 
blot out my transgressions. David is not trying to make a case for why he deserved forgiveness. Oh, I'm a, I'm a really good guy. I just kind of messed up, you know, but I'll do better next time. No, no. David's appeal for forgiveness is rooted in God's compassion. He knows he can ask God for forgiveness because God is a compassionate God. Again, this is all about God's heart. This is about his disposition towards us, even in our failures. His heart is a heart of compassion. He wants to help us in our need, in our suffering, in our weaknesses, in our struggles. This is at the core of his being. This is who he is at the core of his being. He wants us to know this about him, which is why this is the first word he chooses to use to reveal himself to us. And not surprisingly, when God became a man, when he revealed himself in the person of Jesus, we see the same compassion on display. We see Jesus demonstrating compassion toward the hurting, the broken, the sinful, the grieving. There are so many examples of this, but, but I want to highlight one of them. In Luke chapter 7, we're told that as Jesus was approaching the town of Nain, there was a funeral procession for a young man who was the only son of his mother, and she had also previously lost her husband. So she is experiencing profound grief, losing her whole family, really. Well, Luke tells us, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin. They were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I mean, this is our God demonstrating his compassionate heart. He walks up to this funeral procession of this person he'd never met, and Luke tells us he sees, he saw this woman in her grief. I see you. And then Luke tells us that his heart went out to her. He understood in a personal way the depth of her pain. He felt her suffering. And then Luke says he responded by helping her in a dramatic way. I mean, this is Jesus' heart towards you and me. This is the heart that led him to enter into our human situation and become one of us the incarnation, right? This is the heart that led him to the cross, dying for our sins. This is the heart that moved him to pour out his spirit into our hearts so that we can know the depth of God's love and compassion towards us. I mean, this is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's heart and disposition toward all of us. Compassion. No matter how far from God you feel, no matter how deep your struggle, no matter how alone you feel in your pain, God wants you to hear and to experience him in this way, to let go of any false ideas about him that don't reflect his compassionate heart, and instead to experience him saying to you, I see you, I understand what you're feeling and I am here to help you. So how can we grow in our experience of his compassion 
It's not enough for us just to know in our head that God is compassionate, to have that information in our brain. What we desperately need is to experience him in this way, in our, in our heart, in the experiential part of us. He, he wants this to be more than just information to us. He wants it to be a reality that we live in more and more. Well, in light of that, I'd like to lead us in a prayer exercise in which we can practice experiencing God in this way. This is something you can do anytime, but I want us to experience this together. So let's quiet our hearts and minds. I encourage you to close your eyes if you're able to do that. And take a few deep breaths just to calm your heart. Father, I pray for protection over our minds and our hearts right now through the blood of Jesus. We want to experience you, Lord. So I want to invite you in your mind, just to imagine in your mind, Jesus standing in front of you, looking at you. And he says to you, I see you. What is it that he sees? I see you pacing the floor. I see you unable to sleep. I see you crying. I see you lying in bed. I see you. Just let him see you specifically. Let him see you. Now I want you to imagine Jesus saying to you, I understand what you're feeling. Let his heart go out to you in your specific situation. I understand your feeling of sadness. I understand my heart goes out to you and your feelings of worry or loneliness, whatever you're feeling. Just imagine that Jesus understands he understands what you're carrying. His heart goes out to you. How does that feel to know that he understands what you're feeling? Now, third, I want to invite you to imagine Jesus saying to you, I am here to help you. Let me meet you in that place of need. So let him meet you there. What does he want to give you? Maybe you hand him whatever you're carrying. And what does he want to give you? What does he want to say to you in that place?
So Jesus, would you help us see and experience your compassion in a greater way, Lord, that we would see you through this lens? Would you heal and bring truth into any misperception we have about you, about what you're really like? Help us to see you as a God of tender compassion and to experience you in that way. We want to know you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. I'm here with KJ and Alan and... We already had so many thoughts. I'm like, wait, turn on the camera first. Kiki, <laughs> right. why don't you so, share? So I'm just going to begin by talking about just the simple idea that it's profound that God has empathy um, so he can feel. Uh -huh. He's a feeler. Um, but then um, from that platform that God f feels things, and he can sit by us and say almost, I understand how that feels. So I feel it too. Um, there's something in that that goes beyond, I see you, I can understand you, uh -huh. but I feel you too. Um, there's something cool about that, that... I'm challenged by because in the past I have had this idea that compassion and then forgiveness go like hand in hand. Um, it's like this very, um, because he can see who I am, I'm broken, he f forgives me. And that's what compassion yeah, is. Yeah, and it's just uh -huh. like boom, there's uh -huh. compassion. But Man, there's there's just a ton about this sermon that it's I can sit by God and just be seen for who I am, yeah. and He has compassion for who I am. Yeah. Um, and being someone who has like this value of of quality time. Mm. It's something I haven't actually really thought of before. Mm -hmm. But God and I can sit together and have quality time of being seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's something in that. That's powerful. Yeah. No, and I was, think, I was thinking the same thing in, when you're talking. Like, wow, why? I really always equated compassion to mercy, which, of course, is still true and it's still an, an aspect. Yeah, of, like it gets well, there. God, right. But I think that eliminated this middle step of you know before he gets to forgiveness before he gets to showing mercy there's this element of the the feeling of the seeing of the understanding and i think we we hurry to but what are you going to do about this you know yeah and and i almost feel like that there's like this feeling of being seen and then if there's like god's grace following that it's kind of like shameful it's like he sees me. Okay, I have to forgive him again. But there's something about the compassion. He sees me and has compassion towards me. And from this posture of compassion, instead of like shame or guilt or like, mm -hmm. oh, he blew it again, mm -hmm. 
I don't know. There's something so cool about yeah. the heart of God, and that He has a heart. Um, he's a yes. feel like there's yeah. something about that that is gigantic. It's not just about the actions, it's right? The, it's it's right. he's thinking about it. He's feeling it. He yeah. he postures himself. He comes alongside. Like I don't know. There's something yeah. so personal. There is. I, I think we missed that. But the the word, the Hebrew word, that womb, the, the root of yes. this, it's a very emotional word. Yeah. And we don't think of that. Yeah. Typically, people don't perceive God in that way in a tender emotion. We tend to see him in a, you know, kind of in any emotion, anger, wrath, you know, but it's this seeing him, experiencing him in a very emotional, tender, motherly Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And this is the first word he uses after his name, Yahweh. This is the first word he uses. It's pretty pretty significant, I think. Yeah. I loved when you when you said that about the womb because it's one of those moments that it's like, I get it. I mm. I know what he's talking about. And I think this idea that we're made in his image, it was just I was just thinking, wow, this is something that I get the privilege of caring from Mm. who God is and it's this love from the womb and even just a few days ago before I heard your message uh, I had this situation with my kids and you know my youngest Jonah he's seven now and he's my third kid so he's the baby he's stereotypical I'm sorry you're the baby of your family too so I don't mean to speak I I don't mean to speak anything of babies I totally own it (laughs) but He's had plenty of people promptly doing anything for him. There's plenty of, you know, parents and older brothers to do anything for him. So he doesn't have patience. Mm -hmm. And then something will happen and he has to wait five seconds. He starts getting angry. And so these few days ago, he was waiting and nobody was there to help him. He went and broke his toy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what in the world just happened here? And we're all so like shocked that he got to that point of anger. Anyway, to my point being, as a mom, I'm watching him and I'm like, wow, look at all these years of his life. He's only seven, but for seven years, he's only been taught that we're all there for him, which is beautiful. He knows he's loved. He hasn't been taught patience. And I was just Mm. reflecting on his journey. And then it's what you said, how God sees us through the lenses of our unique personal journey and what we've been through and what we have experienced or not experienced, what we've been given or given, etc. And I was just reflecting, wow, I would, for my oldest son, I would have a completely other conversation. For him, here's something different that he needs to hear, that he needs to see. And I think I was able to experience this womb Mm -hmm. this womb love like i see you baby but there are consequences for his decisions but i understand why what led him to that point i got a question for you yes because in this sermon when i first wrote it my the second point was i feel what you feel and i Mm. changed it because I started to think about, and I want uh, your perspective okay. as a mom, because okay. I started to think about a mom hears her child crying. She's not feeling what he's 
or she is feeling. Mm-hmm. She's not feeling abandoned. She's not feeling afraid, but she right. knows. Yeah. She understands what her child is feeling. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's where I thought there's an interesting dif- distinction I started to make in my own mind. I'm not I'm not sure God it's important to say God feels what I feel because he may not be feeling what I'm feeling right now. He you know, but he understands, understands. it yeah. in a deep way. Yes. And I think it yeah. got me thinking about empathy too from a few Hard. weeks ago. Yeah. When I'm do I have to feel exactly what a person is feeling to mm-hmm. be empathetic or am I just is there a depth of understanding? Right. Yeah. Okay, I will jump in here. But I asked the mom first. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll then. tell you the dialogues that I have with my kids are I I'm not feeling angry for this situation. Right. So like he as he was but I have had moments, plenty of moments, that I felt that level of frustration and anger. So I understand that feeling. Right. But you're in that moment, and you're not necessarily feeling, you're not feeling what your child is feeling. You just understand yes. in a compassionate right. way why Jonah is responding this R- way. Right. And you could understand the level of frustration or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I'm, a, yes, I'm agreeing okay. with you that yeah. I, uh, but there are times if it's like all of us feeling about something else, I think there there are circumstances that I will. So let's say if he's being justiced for some reason, I will mm. feel that pain alongside him. That's true. Where you feel a sadness. Uh, yes. Yeah. I want to protect him. So I feel the pain with him or yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the injustice with him. Yeah. But in whatever other circumstances, I, I do try to place, communicate that I feel that too in, in other. Right. I think, I think I do enjoy the idea that God f- feels. Uh, he feels. Oh, yeah. and, and to simply be at the spot of he understands me, it's a very heady thing. It's like, ah, that's cool and all. Um, however, there's this personal, it's, it's, so if someone uh, can understand how someone feels, I think it's going to bring them to a spot that, that they themselves, uh, so Cyan broke his collarbone. <laughs> I, I, I'm there, he's there in the hospital bed, I see everything, I'm like bawling, I, I, so I'm hurting, for, and he's trying to comfort me, I'm like, Dad, I'm okay, I'm like, yeah, but I see you hurting, I see you in pain, I see you, mm-hmm. and I, I, it is like almost impossible to separate the sure. two, of, yeah. two of us, because I, I understand the thing that's happening to his b- 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 body, right. and I feel it. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that's what makes the difference between it was something done against him, kind of, in a way. So you feel that pain. I think in the context of pain, uh, it's different than if he's making a bad choice. Like in, in Jonah, Jonah's context, the conversation was, right. in your anger, you made a decision that I don't in know a that bad you should have. Yeah. yeah. So I understand how you got yes. there. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't feel it, but I have. Right. Right. But no, I'm with you that, of yeah. course, it's not that God is just in the head, of course. Right. Yes. I think I, I ended up you trying to use language like, rather than he feels exactly what we feel, he feels the weight 
of what we feel. Mm. And that may be, I may be nuancing that too yeah. much, but I, I, I think it's, it's not always the case that I have to feel exactly what someone feels right. mm-hmm. in order for empathy to happen. Right, that's good. You know, I feel the weight right. of what this person is experiencing and it makes me sad, I'm struggling, but it's, I'm not necessarily on a one-to-one correspondence feeling the exact right. same emotion that person is feeling. And right. God is always feeling the exact same emotion I'm feeling. I don't think that's the case, right? But he understands, right. and at an emotional level, the weight of what I'm experiencing. How? How? Okay. How do you then? Because I would say possibly it's it could be true that that God could even feel the opposite. Like so, if I feel like that, I'm a failure. I feel like, mm-hmm. and God feels. Compassion and hope. Right. Um, so, so how do you talk about that from a he sees how you, but he can speak truth into it, or, or so, I don't know. Like it d- doesn't have to be the same. It could even be the opposite. But there's this thing that happens because he's there from the empathetic perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think of John 11, which is just a great story of Lazarus has died, Jesus comes to Mary and Martha. Martha says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus says, I'm the resurrection life. Then Mary comes and says the exact same thing. If you had been here, my mother would not have died. And Jesus wept. And but when you look at the passage, there was a lot of emotion Jesus was experiencing. What it says is Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. And it actually means anger. Yeah. He was angry. And so here, he's not, he's sort of feeling Mary, Mary's emotion, but he's feeling it in a different way. Yeah. Mm. She was mad at him, kind of disappointed in him. Jesus was mad at death. Mm. So there's a, it's a great picture of, that's where I'm saying, it's not a mm. one-to-one. What we know is Jesus feels, yeah, and he feels with us, but it's not necessarily the identical emotion we're feeling, right? right? Yeah. But, but it's, so it's the bigger mm. p- picture. Yes, but it's not yeah. a cognitive, distant understanding. Right. Like It's not that. It's like, no, it's John 11. He's weeping. He's troubled right. when his friend comes up and says, why weren't you here? And he's feeling all these emotions. He is with her in that. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't experiencing grief, I don't think. She was experiencing sadness and grief for the loss. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right. But he enters yeah. in. You know what I mean? That's what I'm, I'm trying to get at. I'm, I'm not sure when we say he feels exactly what we feel. Right. I, I want to be careful with that kind of language that it doesn't mean he's feeling that exact same emotion in that moment, but his heart is with us. He understands what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes I think, who knows? Sometimes it probably is a one-to-one. There's grief. He joins us in our grief. But even that, he's seeing it from a totally different perspective. He's sad. We're sad because someone we love died. He's sad because of the heartache we're experiencing, even though he knows the hope and right. the long-term view. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like by the end here, it's someone trying to explain the heart of God. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, 
it's fun. It's fun to do this. It's going to be our best attempt. Exactly. It, it, to be like, here's God's heart. But it's like, <laughs> you know, like how... It's actually funny when you say, yeah, like, here's God's heart. You know, it's like, <laughs> man, how do you explain the heart of God? But just simply being kind of able to put on the table, he sees us yes. and he feels compassion right. towards the place that you're in. He can sit by you. Mm-hmm. That's big time. Yeah. That he has a heart. I mean, I yeah. think a lot of people's perception of God, right. it's heartless. It's, right. It's he very understanding. Right. Like, mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a heart. You know, he's just this God of right. stern, whatever. And those images and perceptions, they end up, yeah, we perceive God as being kind of heartless. Right. And so it is fun to just look at the nuances and try to, in our human minds, to explain yeah. God's heart. In yeah. human terms, things that yeah. we can understand when it's so much bigger than that. Here's yeah. something that's kind of interesting, though, is like growing up, being a part of the, the faith, how people typically explain who God is. Um, God, he's, he's omniscient. omniscient. He's all powerful. He's all like, blah, exactly. blah, 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 blah. They d- don't say, God is compassionate, slow to anger, forgive. Right. Like they don't. They don't talk about how he even talks about himself. I know. Right. They put these. Uh huh. I know. Right. And that's, that's why I think this passage yeah. is so. It's so important. Yeah. All those things are true, but yeah. when that's all we talk about, here's God introducing himself. He doesn't say any of those things. Right. It doesn't mean he isn't those things, but it's right. not how he his, introduces it's the how final characteristics. Right. 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 He's sharing his heart, yep. abounding in love, all these things we're going to get to. This is, right. These are heart things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's how you open to it, which is, it's brilliant. Yeah, what, it, what is it that God chooses to, when right. you're going to introduce yourself? That's so powerful. Yeah, and and two, oh, how we have the man. That's good. It's it's kind of like how do I share who God is to people? Right. Mm-hmm. It yeah. changes the ball game. It changes my vocabulary. It changes my posture. It changes my excitement. It changes yeah. everything. If I yeah, if you introduce the way he introduces, why don't we do that? What yeah. you know. That's so interesting. If he's going to introduce himself this way, then I'm going to introduce him this way. Right. This is the kind of God he is. Yeah. Oh, but we don't we don't do that. Yeah. Often. And seeing all Jesus' stories, because then you have all these exactly. examples after examples of his yeah. interact. How did he interact with people? It was always leading with compassion, always leading with seeing people. Mm. Yeah. It's <laughs> really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well. Any other comment on this? No, that's it. I guess we just need to sit <laughs> yeah. here now. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Have a good rest of your day.